My agent called, he said he got some interest in my script I'm glad I didn't tell him that I never finished it I got my cast of characters and outline for the plot I even got a famous classic case of writer's block Get it out of my head 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 Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Welcome to On the Page. This is the podcast that answers all of your questions about the craft and business of screenwriting. My name is Pilar Alessandra, and I'm the instructor and script consultant here at On the Page. Joining me is my friend, Pete Schwaba. We don't have a producer today. Hello. How are you? Good, good. We had Pete over for dinner. So I brought him upstairs. A lovely dinner. dinner. Your husband is a wonderful hostess. He is a wonderful hostess, isn't he? He is. He can make a couple of things really well. He is Phil Dunphy. (laughs) Modern family. Oh my God, he is Phil Dunphy, right? Yeah. He totally is. And And that's a good thing. I love Phil Dunphy. It is. Phil Dunphy is somebody who has, he's optimistic. He's good to be married to. Yeah. He's a woman's uh, dream, right? He is, right? He, he, he's like just plunges in. He loves yeah. the family. He's a little quirky. He's maybe a lot quirky. He's an optimist. But, you know, that makes me his wife. What's, what's mm. her name? Claire. No, you're, you're not quite as crazy as Claire. I'm you're a close. Little, I'm a little Clary. No. I am. I you know, that. that person who's just like always telling people what you're to do. You're more Gloria. You're Gloria. That's oh, how I see you. Peach. Baba. <laughs> God bless you. I know we had you over for dinner for a reason. <laughs> for Pete, for people who have been listening way, way, way back, Pete and I were just debating the last time he was on the show. I thought it was like seven years ago, but you're saying it might have been right before you? You might be right. It might yeah. be 2009 or 2010. Maybe. But maybe. I mean, it's 2016, so it's close. Yeah, welcome back, my friend. Long. Yes, Thank it has. You. Pete Schwaba is a producer and a writer. Um, a Guy Thing was produced in 2003. It had Julia Stiles in it. In 2005, he wrote, directed, and starred in an independent movie called The Godfather of Green Bay. And I'm going to tell you some of the people that were in Godfather of Green Bay because at the time, oh, they were known as Pete Schwaba's friends. But now you might know them as Tony Goldwyn, Lauren Holly. Well, I was going to say Peach Jimmy Wabba. Pardo. Jimmy Pardo. You know, still, you know, Pete Schwaba's friends. He's a friend. Um, but Tom Lennon was in this, right? Mm-hmm. Where is he? Look, he's not in the, the credits. What's That's going on here? IMDb. He's in the credits somewhere. Let's go see full cast. Go oh, there he is. Thomas oh. Lennon. Thomas, Thomas Lennon. Lennon. Who else? Formal. Mike Toomey. Steve Seeger and Mike Siegel. Um, handsome Mike Siegel, as we talk, we call him. He is a handsome guy. There's no question. That's why I cast him. <laughs> I said I have to have his face somewhere in this film. He, he has no talent whatsoever, but he is very ha- I'm kidding. He was great. Um, so, yeah, I obviously I didn't know Tony Goldwyn or Lauren Holly. Um, but we found them when we made them offers and they accepted. Thank God, because they were both great. And um, Tom Lennon, there's actually a funny story about Tom. He, I wrote a guy thing, which he was in, co-wrote. Um, and he, re- he thought he remembered me. When we made the offer to him, he thought he remembered me from a guy thing. But my partner, who I sold the script with, Greg Liana, we got replaced by two other writers. We did two drafts, and they brought in other writers. So he was thinking of one of those writers. 
And I said, well, don't tell him that, you know, because we want him in the film. And um, so it worked out because I, when I picked him up, he go, he's kind of gave me a look. And I go, I'm not the guy you thought I was, am I? And he said, no, you're not. But I've signed the contract. Yeah, he was already in Wisconsin. It was a long trip. So we had him and uh, he was very, he was excellent. You know, we, I mean, everyone in our cast was fantastic. Like the marquee guys, Tony Goldwyn, Lauren Holly, and uh, now certainly Thomas Lennon. Were fantastic, but you know all my friends, Siegel, Seagren, Jimmy, Toomey, were great. And then we found you know Lance Barber, and we found Eric Price in Milwaukee, and Rob Martin in Milwaukee, and even locally. I'm looking at Brian Cash in there. Was a great local actor who lives out here now. He moved out here after he did that film. You pretty much discovered all of these people. Yes, it would be nothing without Pete Schwaba. Ask Helen Mirren, who discovered her and gave her a. <laughs> Threw her a bone in the Godfront, G O G B. So yeah, it was. We had a great cast. It was really fun. It was and, fun. And uh, and you know, you know, went on to keep writing. And uh, okay, so you have relocated since, but you've kept writing. So this is my chance to sort of catch up with you. Yeah. See what you've been doing. Um, for one thing, you host a show about independent movies. Right. Out of. Wisconsin, Wisconsin. Right? It's on Wisconsin Public Television, yeah. It's a show that's been on for eight years, actually. And I was a guest on the show. I went on with Lance Barber. And I forgot Tracy Thorpe. She's so funny, too. She was hilarious. Um, but I went on with Lance, and we were guests. And then the host stepped down or something, and they asked me to audition. And it was a bigger audition process than anything I had been through in L.A. It was about 100 people, it seemed like, that they auditioned for this little PBS show in Wisconsin. But... Um, you know, I remember when I was a guest on it, look, watching this guy just talk about independent film, this host, and get to interview these people, and then they show the movie afterwards. I'm like, how do you get a job like that? And he's like, I know, I just kind of fell into it. It's pretty cool. So he stepped down, and I auditioned, and uh, now I'm the host, and this is my third season, and I really love it. It's a fun show, and it's it's a great uh, celebration of independent films, and a lot of the films have a tie in some way to Wisconsin, a Wisconsin filmmaker. It was shot there on location, or it's about... Uh, the Packers, you know, something. There's some sort of Wisconsin connection, but uh, I really enjoy doing it. It's a lot of fun. And it's I've met a lot of great people. There's a lot of great films out there that people have never seen. What you are know. you finding? Uh, is there any sort of common thread with great independent films that you're finding as you're hosting the show and people are a- ask, answering questions? Are you starting to see any patterns with with success stories or with good storytelling? You know, I will say, like, we were talking before at dinner about documentaries, and I think if a documentary is, if the subject matter is interesting, it's just, you're going to enjoy the film, even if it's not technically perfect. Um, But I I, I love documentaries. I've never had a desire to do one, because I don't know that I would be good at that, but um, I think with documentaries, you just have to have an interesting subject matter. I mean, you know, I've been to a lot of film festivals, and I see... You know, these very avant-garde, crazy documentaries where I'm just like, uh, you know, not really for me. Right. <laughs> trying too hard, maybe. But um, I would say for, obviously, documentaries and that you could ask anybody that. It just has to be an interesting topic. So I don't know if I've seen a common thread of film either works or it doesn't, you know. Um, and we've had some good ones. I mean, just in, in on this little, you know, we shoot in Madison, Wisconsin, and there are just so many talented filmmakers out there. And the... I feel like there's a huge, or there will be a huge, um, 
I don't know if you'd say renaissance or what for indie films, because right now what you're seeing at the theater, there's actually a lot of good films out right now, but it's all comic book, franchise, big, huge, crazy movies. You know, I don't think I would have sold a script if I was trying to sell the same scripts that I sold 10 years ago now. It's just Mm -hmm. changed. It's a totally different climate. Uh, It's harder to sell something on spec unless you have Brad Cooper attached or somebody like that. You know, so I really think, and I don't know how it's going to work yet, but I feel like there's a huge market for indie films. And maybe it's Netflix, maybe it's Hulu. Some of those places start to show more of these films. Some great documentaries on there, but um, there's a market for them. People want to see, adults want to watch movies that are dramas and that aren't people in capes or tights or whatever. Or, you know, those movies are fine too, but I love watching a film that, you know, is just, just entertains me. It's about characters and people. And those don't really come out much from Hollywood. Do you think, do you think crowdfunding like Kickstarter... And Indiegogo, do you think that's made a, a big dent, a, a big difference in why people, you know, how much content is out yeah. there and how people can come to you? And do you think that it's 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 helping independent filmmakers or do you think, think it's sort it, of like, yeah, oh. um, I think it probably is. I don't somebody suggested to me that we should do that for this project. I'm trying to get off the ground. And I think that helps if you have a micro budget. Mm-hmm. And people just say, you know, we like what this guy's trying to do. He's only trying to raise ten grand. Or if you have, you know, um, again, like a big celebrity attached. Or if Chris Rock is trying to do it, he's going to raise the money. You know, or Zach Braff did it. Um, but if you, if you haven't cast your movie yet and you need like two million bucks or a million and a half dollars, it's, it's tough to raise that kind of money from crowdsourcing. And it's a lot of effort goes into that, too. Like, people don't realize... That's building a campaign to do that is a lot of work. So to do that and not know what you're going to make when I could just be cold calling and trying to get meetings with people to raise money, I feel like that's where my time would go for my stuff. We should really, really talk about this. Okay, so I I was just saying down at dinner, like... I remember bringing my kid over to play, yeah. and um, our, our kids are the same age, and it was there was just one of them at the time for, for both of us. Yeah. And there you were in the kitchen, in this little <laughs> narrow kitchen with your right. computer and a phone, something called a phone that you were talking on. Yes, <laughs> that had a little cord attack. Right. And you were, like, you know, talking to people and raising money. And I remember thinking you were insane. Like, yeah. there, there's a guy who says he's going to make a movie and then you made a movie it was so crazy and you've kept you've you like know a lot about raising money for independent filmmaking and what it takes to Mm -hmm. get something set up and here you are saying cold calling again is that something that like is that is that your approach to to getting financing like yeah pretty much how do you do this you know it's weird i like i was telling you earlier i raised money 12 years ago fairly easily you know you hit up friends and family first and then they refer you to people um but the problem is the first time you do it you don't really know what you're doing like the godfather of green bay i mean i'm proud of it i liked it it's not a perfect movie by any stretch but um it it never fit into any kind of genre like i was very bummed out when we had a sale uh, um, a buyer screening you know, my producing partner in the film, Brian Edding, said, now, don't panic. People are going to walk out. It doesn't mean they don't like the film. They just know what they want, and mm-hmm. they're not going to waste their time. So if it's not going to be something they're going to sell, they're going to leave. So we have this buyer screening at Miramax. Nobody leaves. And I'm like, we're looking at each other like, we're going to have a bidding war. Or something. You know, Nobody bought it at that screening. We ended up getting a video deal and an overseas deal. But 
I was so blown away that they stayed for the movie, and they all were complimentary. They're like, "Yeah, we really like this film. It's a nice little film." That's what we heard. It was a, it was a nice little film, but it, it's not a action. It's not a. It's a comedy, but it's not. It's not really a romantic comedy. It's kind of guy centered. It's regional. So they felt that it wasn't for them, but they liked it, which is that blew me away. I'm like, so you're saying you like the film, but it's still never been on television. I mean, it's it's been in video stores and iTunes and all that, but not. It hasn't been on TV. So I think there's something to that. So my approach, it was a learning experience. You know, you you just fix that next time, and you make a you write something that is a genre piece that's an easier sell. It's like one thing you check off the list. Okay, I'm not going to cast someone like this again. I'm not going to write a film that doesn't fall into any category. Um, you want to write what you are passionate about, but if you're not going to position it so that you can make money on it or be able to do it again, you're just kind of wasting your time, you know, if, unless that's all you want to do is write and not ever see it made, you know. So now you've got your, a new independent film yeah. that you are, you've written. Mm-hmm. Um, I got, I think the... The chance to look at it a couple of years ago, and you've been raising money for it. And you, you read said, it very early. You read it when it was still. I think your note was at least sharp in the crayon. Next time, <laughs> <laughs> it was a, a very early draft. Could right. I have more pictures? I think <laughs> yeah. that's that's what I said. Yeah, I delivered. Um, a little more red, maybe mm-hmm. some some. I like exactly. blue, but maybe a little more red. So uh, you're you're writing it. You're are you directing this as well? Yeah, writing, directing. Are you going to be in it this time? I might do a small thing, you know, a small role, maybe just another topless uh, scene. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'll do something small, but I, it's just too much for me anyway. I don't, you know, I I wore a lot of hats during The Godfather of Green Bay, and it's just, uh, it's a lot to do. And, you know, I was, the first time you get through it, because you don't realize how crazy you are, but the second time I'm like, no, I, and I'm not a good, I don't want to be the lead. As a director, I wouldn't cast me in the lead from a name recognition standpoint or a talent standpoint. So, um, yeah, I, I wrote it and I'll direct it and I'm trying to put the budget together and raise the money too. So we're, we're pretty close. I, hopefully it will happen this winter. It takes place in winter. That's another thing. If you're writing something, I would say you really limit yourself because this takes place during the winter. It's called the snowball effect. Okay. So I need snow. So there's so many factors. You have to have the budget raised and have enough time to get into pre-production and do all that kind of stuff before you lose your snow and in the midwest we got snow recently but it was pretty green we had a great fall it was like 50 in wisconsin all god through. bless global warming yeah there no you kidding go. if you live in wisconsin that's exactly what people are saying but um so anyway that's a little limiting but yeah hopefully we'll be going this winter maybe you'll have to call it the sandbox effect soon gonna, and it's gonna have to be apples or something they use instead of <laughs> snowballs i don't know <laughs> so so you were saying that your last your last movie was sort of hard to niche. Do you feel mm-hmm. that when you're selling this one, when you're talking about it with investors, it's easier to niche? Or you, are you much have, easier? Yeah? It's, it's a crime thriller, crime so it's thriller. got a, it's got an audience. It's got it hits all the marks in the script of when you want something. When I know what buyers look for more now, uh, production value, all that kind of stuff, obviously. But when they want action or you know plot points, that kind of thing. I mean, I still want to be true to my story, but you have to approach it with like that too because I don't want you know when you're raising money you want people to get their money back plus more so they'll invest with you again and they'll let you make another film so um, yeah I learned a lot in that first process and I had people around me that had done that um, my writing partner um, that I've sold some movies with Greg Liana did it with Meet the Parents he made Meet the Parents it was just a little $30,000 independent film 
Uh, and then they went on to, you know, I think uh, Steven Soderbergh saw it and wanted to remake it, and Universal bought it and remade it. So I knew people that had gone through the process, and, you know, they would, they'd say, just do it. Get a camera and make a film. It was kind of like, well, of course. And I never went to film school. I mean, I was a comic, you know. So I really didn't know what I was doing. I just was smart enough to surround myself with really good people. So we pulled it off somehow. But uh, And, again, I'm not, it's not a perfect movie. I'm not sitting here like – but I, I, I'm proud of it. And um, it was more fun for me than a guy thing because that's the only film we've sold that's been made. And the others are collecting dust. And so this was fun to be in the process. And I'm anxious to be on a set again and directing and casting and doing all that stuff. That's, to me, where your adrenaline really gets moving, you know. What's the difference between pitching to investors and pitching to, let's say, studio people? That's a great question. Um, Investors, in my opinion, or in my experience, they don't care about the script. They don't want to read the script. Show me your business plan. They want to know what it's about. They want to know what kind of film is it. It's not like a porno film we're putting our money into and, you know, um, that kind of stuff. But they they want to know how you're going to spend it, how are they going to make it back, what are the percentages, all that kind of stuff. Maybe over this the last year and a half when I've been trying to raise money, they probably wanted – I've had maybe two people that wanted to look at the script. And they just don't – it's like, okay, we trust you. Go ahead and do it. Mm -hmm. Sounds interesting. Whereas a studio, they want to read the script. In many cases, they want to micromanage the script. You know, they want to do pointless busy work on the script. And sometimes they help the script. You know, I, I don't think it's a collaborative process either way, but that's very different. I mean, as you're a, when you're a writer and you sell something, you have no idea what happens. It's like, okay, it's gone. They paid me. I hope I can stay involved as long as I can. But, you know, you, you have a very limited role. Whereas, you know, I, I'm not a guy who... I'm not, I don't like raising money. I don't like talking that language. I've gotten good at it because nobody else will do it if I don't. So I've kind of learned about it. Um, but I, it's a more fulfilling process than the studio to me. So that's why, that's why you're attracted to independent films in general? Yeah. I mean, and it, it wasn't by, you know, it was just something I kind of came to realize. You know, it's like, first of all, I don't know if they're buying what I'd write at this point anyway. I mean, I've, I've showed this script to some people um, here in town, and it, both of them said this kind of movie is never going to get made at the studio level. Mm-hmm. What you should do is make this a TV show. Oh. It's a nice script. It's got good characters, that kind of thing. So, And, and that's nice. I, 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 could, I wouldn't mind. I would love to do that, but I, I still see it as a movie. So if I can shoot it independently and then try to go that route, that would be ideal, I guess. So, so it, it, the industry has changed, at least in terms of, you know, in my experience. Sure, so. sure. I mean, TV has taken off. Yeah. Even in the short time that you've been gone, you know, and... and Especially all color television. It's <laughs> huge now. It's crazy. i got to get one. I make it sound like you've been gone. You've still been writing. Yeah. Right? You've been you've been punching things up. Tell, tell me a little bit about, you know, some of the things that you've sort of, you know, had your hands in uh, these past couple of years. Um, well, I, hosting that show and then really... My focus has been raising money for this movie, and I, I thought we got close last year, but it didn't happen, and now this year we're back at it again, and hopefully it'll happen. But I've done some punch-up on movies and other people's projects, friends' projects that I like to do. I just wrote a sitcom pilot 
with uh, two guys that you probably know, Steve uh, Rednick and Leo Benvenuti. I've heard um, of Steve and Leo, like, yeah, like Steve one Leo, right. name, like Steve and Leo. Steve and Leo, yeah. <laughs> uh, so that was really fun. I mean, those guys were idols of mine when I started doing comedy, and I, you know, my agent had retired uh, a few right before I left town here, and I never, you know, I never met with anybody to get new representation. I was leaving, and I knew that they wouldn't like that, so. I went to them and I just said, "Hey, I, I have this TV show, and they're they're such good guys. They're like, well, how can we help?" I'm like, "Sell it, hire me as a writer." <laughs> you know, and they were like, "Okay." So it's fun. We we wrote it. We did some drafts when I, you know, you know, Leo is in Chicago now. Steve is out here still, and I'm in Wisconsin. So I've seen Leo a couple times because I go to Chicago a lot. But we we did Skype stuff, you know, and even doing Skype stuff with those guys is hilarious because they're just. They just make me laugh constantly. So it would be a lot of fun to work with people you know. Uh, I still love comedy. and I, In fact, I missed it. When I wrote this uh, Snowball Effect, this crime thriller, it's kind of depressing because it's about heroin and the epidemic in the Midwest, and it's, it's a horrible um, problem. So that gets kind of depressing, and I thought, God, i got to write something funny again. This is just, you know... So that was fun to do that and, and laugh and, you know, and I'm, I do some freelancing still uh, for networks and that kind of thing. So so when you're, when you're say, punching something up or you're riffing with a friend off of a joke or you're trying to make something funnier in general, um, where do you start? Do you start with situation? Do you start with character? Do you just riff off of the words as far as sort of just punching up the, the punchline? You mean how do I how do you start writing a story or what? No, sort what? of like in the punch up mode when oh, you're when mode. you're yeah when you're trying to make something funnier. You know, um, sometimes I mean I'm 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 in the position as a consultant. I'll go, hey, this right here, funnier, and somebody will go, how do you do that? And I'll be like, <laughs> you're the writer, make it funnier, just right. make it. Funnier. I just know it needs to be changed. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Um, yeah, I mean, I was at a punch up thing the other day, and it, it's. Uh, I, that's easier when you're in a group and you start riffing mm-hmm. and it's snowballs and you're almost kind of uh, you're almost kind of improving a scene with other writers. They'll say something and then you say something. Before you know it, you have a tag or a, a button on the end of a scene or something like that. Um, so that's fun. But when I used to write with Greg, you know, the fun, the hardest times we would laugh when we were writing is when it was three o'clock in the morning and we were slap happy and we would be laughing hysterically at something we knew was never going to be in the script. That's what made us laugh. So, you know, I, the whole process is great. I, I think for punching up, though, it's you just want to be around funny people. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. is it is it sort of also a process of not not no filter? Of sort of like, well, what about this? What about that? Like, just you know, not censoring yourself a, a little bit until the funny. Oh comes? yeah, I th- I think definitely, and you can always reel it back. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> I was just thinking of something. Yeah, so I think yeah, definitely no filter and and if you're if you're around the people you like, you know, like Pat, your mm-hmm. husband and mm-hmm. some of our friends from Chicago, we you know, playing poker, that's funny and you you think of jokes and you it's just I, I wish a camera was on you guys when you're playing poker. Nobody would get it. It's no a- I mean not nobody, but we would say things that people would be appalled by. Oh yeah. And you'd say, Well, we're joking. Well, are you? Yeah, we're comics. That's what we do, you know. So and we still call ourselves like Pat hasn't done stand up in a while. I do it occasionally, mm-hmm. but I don't. You still kind of consider yourself a comic just because well, yeah. you like to laugh, I guess. Right, so. and you can make other people laugh. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> so, with why did you go drama? I'm I'm, I'm curious about 
the story that you're telling with the snowball effect? What what got you thinking about the story and and uh, and going the direction you did? Yeah, when we moved, um, when we left LA, we went to a town in um, Wisconsin that's close to the water, and it's a small town, but there I, I couldn't believe it. It there was a really bad heroin epidemic. And it's not just specific to that town. It's kind of all through the Midwest and probably on the coast, too. But it's a really bad, it's an epidemic. And when I started the story, it was going to be, I knew these shady characters in this little town. And I assumed it would be meth. But I met with a sheriff and the the police chief in this town. It's about 12,000 people. And they said, no, it's really heroin is really the bad thing. It's cheap. And it's... uh, it's, I think three people OD'd the first year we were back there or something like that. So I just started, you know, putting these story elements together, characters I knew, people that it affected, that kind of thing, a composite, I guess. And some of it is based on semi-true events. But, um, you know, it, it's called the snowball effect, and it's these three characters that get together. One guy's been gone for 10 years, and he comes back, and they go out and they drink, and they start bombing cars with snowballs like they did when they were kids and they hit a car and it skids off the road because it's snowing and there's a dead body and a bag of heroin in the trunk so and that you know sets the story in motion it's a snowball effect so um it was fun to write i I don't know i i've always mostly done comedy but it was just a story i just uh wanted to tell you know and i um yeah, I guess. I don't know. Who are the who are the directors? And you're a director as well. So who are the directors or the the, the vision that you admire? You know, um, are there certain movies that you'd love to this to sort of be compared to mm-hmm. or a style that you emulate? Barbara Streisand. <laughs> Babs is fantastic. I'm remaking the main event. <laughs> um, <laughs> Don't you go joking about the name of My directors I always like are comedy, typically comedy directors. And I, you know, I remember when uh, Greg and I years ago started to have some success and people would say, well, we don't think people should direct what they write. It's a bad blah, blah. And I think they should. I who, totally who agree. Better, who better to direct your stuff than right. the person who invented the stuff? Well, and it's sort of, if you look at the most successful comedies, it's either a writer-director or a writer and director who work really well together. I mean, you know, the Fairley brothers, Woody Allen, uh, Albert Brooks, Harold Ramis, you know, these are writer directors and those are the most famous comedies of, so I, I totally disagree with that. And those are always the guys I liked. I, I loved their stuff. I like how they could make comedy, but they tell very human stories that were just hilarious, you know? So, um, You know, and then action films, I like a lot of independent directors that I've met in the last couple of years that I think are really phenomenal talents. I mean, whether the world ever knows who they are or not, I don't know, but they make great films. And then obviously, you know, Martin Scorsese and people like that. But, um, yeah, I I always like the uh, comedy writer-directors, I think, were my favorite, you know. And a story's a story, whether it's a crime thriller. You know, I always used to say with friends of mine that comedy, I, I don't like when people say, well... 
They've never done a comedy. They can, if you can act, you can do comedy. Because mm-hmm. good actors are smart people, and they know where the beats are. They know where the joke is. They know where the drama is, whatever. It's all the same stuff. And in a lot of ways, it's harder to do comedy. Oh, sure. I, think, you know. I mean, I mean if, if, if a movie, if, if we talk so much about pacing and timing and, right. and tightening, and if you're a little off base with any right. of those things with comedy, everything fails. You really exactly. have to get the right rhythm going. And I remember, you know, just... Uh, Lost in America is one of my favorite movies. And it's funny, but it's a tragedy, too. Mm-hmm. And it's that scene in the camper where Albert Brooks is yelling at her after she lost the nest egg. It is a just a manic. It, it's this crazy, dramatic scene. It's hilarious, but it's phenomenal acting. That never would have been considered for any kind of Academy Award Best Actor. Or best, and, and he did. That was Albert Brooks acting-wise. He was outstanding, and he almost didn't act in the movie. I heard, I thought at one point Bill Murray was going to do it or something. Mm-hmm. I read articles about it because it's one of my favorite comedies. But um, yeah, so comedy is 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 tough to do. Do you think that you can do a, a drama that has sort of the pace of a comedy? You know, some of the the rhythms of a comedy. Do you know? Do you think that that'll help in um, how you direct? Yeah, I think it's all kind of musical. You know, mm-hmm. it's all timing and. and um, the difference is maybe in a crime thriller, you still have, I mean, even in the only other film I directed was the Godfather of Green Bay. And there's a lot of human elements to that story. And you have to, you can't tell a joke during a serious moment, you know, but in a crime thriller, I hope, um, you find those moments when you can, and you know, you go through this whole thing. It's like, well, do I want to use music at all? Maybe it gets winter and cold. And maybe I just want the sounds of winter and no music. And then. You know, you have to make those decisions, I guess. That's more of a post-production question. It's like, do you want people to actually kill themselves while they're watching this because it's so depressing because you have no music? Or would that really work? You know, so um, I guess it remains to be seen, but I'm anxious to try it, you know. Um, if you had an unlimited budget, okay, uh, who would be your lead? Who would be your lead actor in this? If I had an unlimited budget and didn't have to return people's money to them, yes. it would be just a guy I found who's a great actor. Really? Well, yeah. Okay, tell me, tell me about that. So you wouldn't go with a superstar. You would go with It'd be discovering fun. It, somebody. It would be fun to go with a superstar to say you worked with that superstar uh-huh. and because they're so talented. Like, Yeah, it would, be, it would be great to work with someone who's really accomplished and watch them work and see their process and direct them. But... I, you know, the times in my life where I've really lost myself in movies, I didn't know who these people were. And it, lo- it really felt like you were looking in on a world. And I love that. And you don't get that much with studio films. You don't even get it really. I mean, a ton of big names do independent films now. So um, I don't know. I Or if I had to go with a name, I mean, you know, I really like this actor, Boyd Holbrook, who two years ago when we started talking about him was probably gettable. He's a pretty hot commodity right now. Boyd um, Hol- Holbrook, what's he been in? He's, he's on that show Narcos right now. Oh, okay. He's in the movie Run All Night with Liam Neeson. Okay, but couldn't you get him then? Maybe. I mean, I think if an actor likes a script and you pay them and they're open, it's mm-hmm. like, well, you can make $100,000 for two or three weeks or not make anything. You know, if they like the material, they're just like the rest of us. And, I mean, I found that with uh, Tony Goldwyn. I couldn't even believe... He wanted to do The Godfather of Green Bay. He didn't know me. He had never... I had never directed anything. He was going to this little town in Wisconsin. Um, so he... But he did it. You know, we paid him and he showed up and Lauren Holly and it was... So I think actors want to work if they respond to the material. 
yeah, you, you can get them. It's just a lot of times getting past the gatekeepers is the issue, um, the agents and, you know. And those gatekeepers want, it seems like with an actor, they want one of two things. Either if the money's not there, who's the director, right? right. And And then it's like for the director, it's like, well... Who's the actor? <laughs> yeah, and then it just becomes it is a dance. Yeah, I mean, so so they do it if you know. Typically, it, they'll ask you, "Are you funded?" And mm-hmm. if you say no, it's like, "Well, I'll come back when you're funded." That's mm-hmm. kind of the. I mean, we've gotten a few people to read it without an offer, which was good. Um, but it is. It's sort of like the money people want to know more here because when, when you go to private equity investors, they'll say sometimes they'll ask, "Who are you going to get in your in your lead role?" And it's like, well. We don't know yet. We, we have to make an offer once the money comes in. Whereas out here, and in my experience, anytime I've talked to people here, who do you have? We don't have anybody attached yet. Come back to me when you have somebody. Well, to get it to them, you need money to make an offer. So it's like a cat and mouse shell game, you know. But um, you just have to hustle and get it done somehow, you know. I, I Is there – I'm just curious. Is uh – is there a place that people can throw money at you since you don't ha- you're not doing it through Kickstarter? No, um, not. this is all private right now. What if they love what they're hearing on this podcast and they want they want to be part Get of it? Get in touch with you. I'll talk to anybody. Okay. That's the thing. And I'll say this and I'll give you the little pitch here. We're shooting in Minnesota uh-huh. where they have a crazy incentive program. So, you know, that helps raise money too. I didn't have any of this um, the last time I raised money. So now I can say to people, look, if you invest, you know, hundred thousand dollars or whatever it is, I can pretty much almost guarantee 40% of that is coming back through the state. They write you a check when you're done, you hand in your paperwork and they write you a check for 37, 41%, whatever it is. And Minnesota has two incentives. And since we're shooting in a small town, we can utilize two because usually it's 25% back from the state. That's kind of a standard number, but we can, put 25 and 20 together and there's some overlap so we can probably come close to 40 uh, 40 so and then there's federal incentives you know deductions you can make there's all kinds of stuff for filmmakers right now who are trying to raise money and i recommend if they are they should really look into it because some of them can really help and, and, and investors want to know that as much risk as you can cut for them especially if they're getting into something like independent film that they don't know anything about um you know, you want to kind of put them at ease and say, well, I can pretty much guarantee between such and such incentive and this that you're going to get 50% of your money back. So then that's it, it cushions the blow a little bit, you know. So, you know, you're kind of hot when you when you talk numbers like this, Peach Wabba. <laughs> just want to let you know. It's is, my pink pigment. I'm, I'm sweating. It's just, I need a towel. You know, you do it really well. I'm just saying. Wow. Like, oh. For a creative dude, you're he, just like, hey. like percentages, money, investment. I'm just like, ooh. Let me do a story that, problem that here. That makes you know, me want to put money in that I clearly do make not the have. Check out to Pete Schwann. I have $5. Yeah. I'll take it. I'm going to give it to you. I can guarantee $2 of that is coming back. So <laughs> we're in business, baby. Then you said, since you've been gone, you like live in a quieter area and stuff. Yeah. You said that you've been writing more than you ever did. So for people who aren't in Los Angeles and have, you know, maybe it's a little quieter than sort of all the the busy stuff that's all around and, you know, LA and New York, whatever. What, what is your writing schedule? What do you do? Do you wake up in the morning and you just start hitting the computer or Um, when do you, you know, when do you sit down and write and what do you do first? Every morning I wake up. Waking up's good. Waking up is good. I do that almost every morning. And then it's 30 minutes of quilting. I do not compromise on that. It puts me in a creative mode. Um, I whip up a quiche and I get to work. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't, uh, 
It, it is interesting. I mean, I, I did say that I, I've been more, I work harder there because I feel more disconnected from the business. Um, and here I, I was more, you know, LA has a ton of distractions. Mm-hmm. You can, you can find a million different ways not to write here. <laughs> you know, Oh, I'm going to go play poker. I'm going to have lunch with my friends. We go see a movie. They show them at seven in the morning here. This is, I mean, you're, you can never be bored here. So, you know, yeah, I, I, I'm, I have a lot of time now and I, I raise my kids and I write and try to get my projects going. So I think moving has made me more of a, an artist, I guess, as opposed to wanting to just uh, go to this bar or meet this person or try to get them. I, I don't know. I It's just made me work harder because I have to, I guess, because I'm so far away now and I'm I have to be on the phone more. I have to send more emails. I have to somehow be relevant or make myself relevant. And it is harder to do. It's kind of, you know, I think a lot of um, writers or comics or whatever work harder when their back is against the wall Mm -hmm. and they almost like that chaos or that desperate feeling. And I, maybe I have a little bit of that, but it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I feel more motivated to do it there. Just because of the lack of, there's no distract, there's no distractions whatsoever. So with a producer and you know, funding hat off for a second. Yeah. Um, what about just a, on a craft level, um, a, a favorite writing tip? Something that helps you get into character, dialogue, writing action, moving story. You know, I, I, that's yeah, that's great. I I think. Um, Watching other movies, really, when you see someone really nail a scene from a directorial standpoint or a writing standpoint, that's just inspiring and you want to do it. And, you you know, you find the places like you'll see a cool alley in this little town where I live now where it's like, oh, that's great. Something needs to be shot there. What could happen there? Well, maybe this guy walks up and he's, you know, so, I mean, it can come from anywhere, but I love seeing it in other movies and then I blatantly steal it and make it my own. Um <laughs> But yeah, I mean, just, uh, I mean, it can come from anywhere. I guess it's just the story you want to tell, you know, Mm -hmm. and whether it's a crime thriller or a comedy, it's what's the situation and what are the obstacles? So, you know, when I wrote with uh, Greg Leanna a lot, we would always do, and really this was more of a Greg thing when I met him, his thing was comedy always has to be a nightmare. And my thing was like, well, that's good. And meet the parents certainly is a nightmare. So I could see where he got that. But I just think your characters, regardless of genre, need obstacles mm-hmm. and roadblocks put in front of them. How? What are they trying to do and what can you do to make that harder? And in the process, learn more about that character or how does that character develop? Sometimes they're physical obstacles. Sometimes they're sure. obstacles that come from another person's agenda, right? right? Just clashing. Sometimes they're inner obstacles in terms of somebody their own character flaw getting in the way right right but it's it's those things that turn it into a little bit and of sometimes they're all of those wrapped in a little present called speed with Keanu Reeves. <laughs> there's a bomb in the bus speed you got all was, those obstacles to me it's you know to be honest with you speed was a life-changing movie oh god if i had thought of that that's a genius like that that probably sold two lines you know there's a bomb on the bus it can't go below 50 i mean it's it's genius. I know. loved it. I think. I think. Like for me, it made me understand like the thrill people get with action movies. Yeah. Um. You know, maybe because I was connecting so much with Sandra Bullock as 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 a character, like I okay. just really liked right. her. But yeah, I remember that being like, wait a minute, the the bus can't yeah. go under a certain amount of 
What? Right. Well, what? And, and not only that, but if you're like a you know semi-sophisticated moviegoer, I guess I would call myself, is it's like you see a movie coming out and it's got a great concept. You're like, oh, I hope they knock that out of the park. And then you wait for the reviews to come out and it's like, oh, Rotten Tomatoes, I got a 90. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, then it's like, I cannot wait to see that. And that was how Speed was. It got pretty good reviews and mm-hmm. it was kind of a cool song. No I'm Rotten making Tomatoes jokes. back then. No, just, I know. Siskel and Ebert. Or- Siskel and Ebert or Richard Roper. Or- <laughs> right. I, you know, I, I kind of made, made, oh. Oh, Pardon me. That your, was, your that was my is, stomach. Your dinner was delicious. Uh, your phone is catcalling you. My phone you. is catcalling. There you go. supposed to remind me to turn that down, I think. Hey, turn that down. Okay. Yeah, this shows, what, eight years of, of podcast producing? I, I still have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> I really want to thank you so much for yeah, being on welcome. the show. Yeah, you Thank you. Um, so, are you a, a tweeter? Uh, is that a drug thing? <laughs> uh, I'm not really into drugs. Uh, I do tweet. Um, I, gotta, I have to get better at it, though. I have... I got a hundred followers that expect more from me. I think. Yeah, no, I don't have many followers, but I am on Twitter and I do tweet occasionally when I think of it. So please, Pete, at, at Pete Schwaba. S C H W A B A P E T E. I have to spell that more often than you think. Believe it or not, S C H W A B A. I went into supercuts because I got that kind of money, and um, I put my name down, and this girl walks up. And she looks at, she's looking at my card. I'm like, well, what the hell's the problem? I didn't put my last name on there. And she just looks up and she goes, she can't pronounce it. She has no idea how to pronounce it. She goes, P E T E. And I'm like, am I on candid camera? What? And it's, I just raise pe- my hand. It's pete. It's pete. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I should have said something more exotic like that. That would have made more sense. Crazy. Well, thank you, P.E. Thank you, Pilar. This was fun. If this was fun. Yeah. I want to remind everybody, go to onthepage.tv and you can see what's happening here in Los Angeles. Remember March 19th. Can I do another plug, too? We oh, talked sure. about Director's Cut yeah. uh, on Wisconsin Public Television. If you go to WPT.org, you can watch all the episodes of Director's Cut. Oh, say it one more time. WPT for Wisconsin Public Television, WPT.org. Oh, boy. And all the, you can't watch the movie on the site, but if you just go there and search for Director's Cut, all the episodes from the eight years will come out. There's some great films, um, great interviews, whether I did them or the guy uh, before me, uh, Charles Monroe Kane. Uh, some really good interviews and clips from fun movies. So oh, check it out. Please go there and please like us on Facebook. And it, it's a great little show. I'd love to see more people check out. And so. if, you know, if there's any any of those filmmakers uh, do end up in Los Angeles or are LA based, let me know. We'll have I them on will. our show too. Definitely. Um, I want to sort of say thank you very much to some people who have donated. Um, the donation. I was like, gee, nobody's donating the show. And then I found out, oh, the donation button wasn't working for like two months oh, that was go. great um but it is back and if you go to on the page.tv and you go to the podcast part there's a little donation button that comes up if you'd like to donate to the show um please do remember that when we do have producers and fancy equipment i end up paying them and um, that goes <laughs> not to like that. this this is a <laughs> this is this is you yeah. are my hero that is awesome look at you eight years of doing this Crazy. I, uh, huh. so uh kevin compton who actually is an old buddy of mine uh, going back to when i was 16 years old i've wow. known kevin since i was 16 you guys were in rotc together right? <laughs> he lived in new york and he had great taste in film and he introduced me to many quality movies Very cool. so kevin compton just donated 25 dollars. thank you so much kevin also, I want to thank James Williams for his donation of $25. James is in Sydney, Australia. Wow. Um, Terrence Cleary from Valencia, California. Or is it Valencia, 
Florida. What? Nine one three five five California. Um, Terrence, thank you so much uh, for your donation of fifty dollars. Really, really appreciate Whoa. it. Thank you so much. So, um, yeah, thanks for doing that, you guys. And remember to go on the page TV, see what's happening in Los Angeles. Check out the rewrite class going on March nineteenth and twentieth. You can fly in for it. I'll tell you about a really cute hotel to go. Best to. screenwriting teacher ever here. Ah, thank you, you so much, Pete. Fantastic. I appreciate it. I, I thank guess you. that's about it. Yeah. Hey, happy New Year, Pete. Did I talk enough? Yeah, loved okay. it. Happy I loved New Year it. to you too. Please come visit us more. I will. Okay, good. Let's make this. Uh, let's do New Year's and Arbor Day every year. That'll be New our New Year's and Arbor okay. Day. Arbor Day. It's good. Maybe I'll drink a little less next time. Okay, and everybody out there, thank you so much for listening, and have a good writing week. 